0: The Guaranteed Irish Business Podcast with Reed O'Connell.
1: Hello and welcome to our series of the Guaranteed Irish Business Podcast. Hi, I'm Reed O'Connell and every fortnight a guaranteed Irish Business Member will join me to tell us more about their business, its objectives, contribution to local communities and its support for Irish jobs. The podcast is aimed to shine a light on all guaranteed Irish businesses across Ireland, from pharmaceutical to food, agricultural to legal. And joining me today is Michael Finn, partner with Matheson. Michael, you're very welcome.
0: Thanks very much, Breed.
1: Uh, Tell us a little bit about Matheson as a law firm, first of all.
0: Well, Matheson was established back in 1825. I wasn't with the business at that (laughs) stage. Um, But since then, we've grown uh, to be one of Ireland's largest law firms. We now have six offices. Two in Ireland, uh, one in Dublin and our newest in Cork, and then four offices internationally uh, in the US, in San Francisco, Palo Alto and New York, uh, and then then also in London. We provide Irish law advice and European law advice uh, to our clients, and uh, our client base consists primarily of domestic and uh, international companies who do business in and from Ireland.
1: Okay, so law has changed dramatically over the last number of years and it's a tough business to be in now. Um, How has it changed and and what's your job on a day-to-day basis, Michael?
0: Well, I uh, am in the commercial litigation department at Matheson uh, and I provide regulatory advice to businesses operating in food and beverage, life sciences and medical technology. And in any day, I could either be advising them on new and emerging regulations or helping businesses in those sectors with uh, an IP dispute, intellectual property dispute, or helping them with a regulatory investigation by, you know, one of the many regulators that regulate Mm. those those various industries, or indeed helping them um, in... uh, an acquisition that they might be involved in where I'm doing the the due diligence of the regulatory aspects of the acquisition.
1: Well, something that's very topical at the moment is food labelling. And you recently wrote a paper for Guaranteed Irish Indeed and for its food members in relation to the new EU directive that's coming in 2020. Tell us a little bit about the implications of that regulation and what it will mean for food producers here in Ireland.
0: Well, to start with, the amount of regulation that is coming constantly in the food and beverage industry is profound and um, that comes both from Europe uh, but also from domestically from our, from our own government so it's really important for businesses to keep on top of what laws are coming down the tracks.
1: Can I just stop you there Michael is that prohibitive to small businesses starting up in the food sector is it just too much red tape or do we really require it?
0: Well, I suppose the fundamental basis of food regulation and food and beverage regulation is consumer safety. Uh, So it might be seen as a a lot of red tape, but fundamentally governments and and Europe are trying to protect the European consumer um, and provide the transparency that the European consumer needs. Yes, it is. It's a cost of doing business in the sector, to be honest with you.
1: And is it coming from a base of where we had no regulation in terms of food safety or consumer uh, food safety, and it's just one of the things we have to put up with now to get up to speed in terms of um, everyday life in modern in modern living?
0: I I wouldn't say there was never food regulation. I mean, there's always been uh, you know safety regulation around food for for as long as I can remember. Um, but I suppose as science evolves and as people learn more and as consumer demands uh, and trends change, uh, new regulations come uh, with that.
1: Okay, so very recently we've had um, a number of uh, articles written in in Irish media where people feel they've been misled by labelling. Tell us what the new labelling directive from the EU is going to mean for Irish food producers and what they have to do to get it.
0: Sure. Um, Well, there's a new regulation that's coming down the tracks. It's going to take effect from April 2020. And it primarily governs situations where Uh, the provenance of food is is named on the food. Um, And so where you are declaring a place of provenance of food, but you're sourcing your primary ingredient from a different location, then the labeling must make it very clear that the primary ingredient is from that different location. It's it's easier to explain this with a simple example. Mm -hmm. So if you manufacture Belgian chocolate and you market yourself as manufacturing Belgian chocolate, your cocoa beans aren't from Belgium. So your labelling is going to have, have to make it clear in the ingredient list or elsewhere that the cocoa beans are not from Belgium. Belgium, they're from a different Brazil. origin. in yeah, hmm. Brazil, exactly. So
1: can I ask then for clarity, I'll have my Belgian chocolate brand on the front and underneath it in equal writing or smaller writing, uh, uh, coconut sourced from Brazil?
0: Underneath it in the same field of vision. Okay. It, do, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same size of writing, but certainly in the same field of vision, you have to declare that the cocoa beans are from a different province. So we can
1: no longer say that, uh, turn it around in very small print at the back of the packet, that's gone.
0: That, yes, that's unique to this regulation. Uh, or, you know, you would have thought that it, you could just put it in the ingredient list at the back, but this regulation requires it to be in the same field of vision.
1: What will that mean for Irish food producers, Michael?
0: Well, for Irish food producers who are, let's say, producing food that they declare is Irish and Mm -hmm. in the labelling it's Irish whatever. Implied. Yes. Um, Then uh, provided that the primary ingredient is from Ireland, it means absolutely nothing for them. Perfect. But if their primary ingredient is not from Ireland, then they're going to have to declare where that primary ingredient is from.
1: So I've had examples of um, large retail stores who are not Irish, who give you the example of an Irish name on the salmon, but the salmon has been sourced in, when you really look at the fine print at the back of it, it's actually uh, farmed in Norway. So if it's been sourced from Norway, um, but the Irish name leads you to believe it was nearly cut off the Iron Islands, is that misleading? Will that have to change?
0: Yes, that's the type of uh, thing that will have to change. So if, if the front labelling is saying Irish smoked salmon, for mm-hmm. example, they're, you know, Clearly, that's a designation of of Mm. provenance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's going to have to be clear on the labelling that the salmon isn't from Ireland.
1: So if it's not Irish, but it's saying Inish, Naman or whatever, so it makes you feel like it's Irish, does that have to change?
0: That's a bit of a grey area. We'll just have to see how this regulation plays out to see are products like that going to be caught in the net. People who are manufacturing products or marketing products that are... Hinged on being from a certain provenance or designation, are going to have to examine uh, their product in light of this regulation. So and it's compliance. all
1: ab- Sorry, Michael, to cut across you. It's all about the primary ingredient, but of course there are other ingredients that inevitably go into most products. So the secondary and tertiary ingredients are still perfectly fine if they're not from Ireland. But they—it's the primary ingredient—is where the main focus is, is on on this labelling. On this
0: labelling, yes, piece. yeah, the primary ingredient.
1: Okay, so that's interesting. So that for for people who are saying, "Oh well, they've um, they have a preservative that includes sugar and sugar isn't farmed in Ireland anymore." That's not really an argument if it's a tiny percentage of the content of the product.
0: If if it's not a big, if it's the not the product. primary ingredient, yeah, no,
1: exactly. Okay, so that's good to get clarity on that. So in terms of. Um, Application of this um, um, regulation coming through, who's going to police it?
0: In Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, the Food Safety Authority okay. and other regulators.
1: Okay, and will there be a penalty for food producers who are not compliant?
0: There will be. We haven't seen the Irish law that implements this right. yet. Uh, and when we see that, we'll un- we'll know what those penalties are.
1: OK, so it's a good space to watch. But for people coming down the line and for 2020, it's only around the corner in terms of packaging and their marketing collateral and all that kind of... Um background piece that that's being planned for now so they really need to start taking cognizance of it now I assume oh
0: yeah so this is a European regulation so the way the European laws work is that a regulation has immediate effect in a country from the date it is Stated to take effect. So, April 2020 is when this regulation will take effect in Ireland.
1: And when will the law become effective in Ireland then?
0: April 2020. As
1: well. Okay, so that's great to get that clarity. So, in terms of small, um, Small artisan producers who, um, well, I suppose that actually it's going to be easier for the small artisan producer because they're literally doing a lot of things by hand starting off, so they'll be able to make the um adjustments quite quickly, I'd imagine.
0: You'd hope so, yes. Yeah,
1: okay, so there's opportunities there for everything. I know you have a number of offices in the US, a lot of businesses doing um. Exports from Ireland to the US or is it the businesses from the US coming back in here then that Matheson are involved
0: with? Oh, it's both. So you know, our focus is on companies that have an international focus. That's both companies putting foreign direct investment into Ireland, but also domestic Irish companies who uh, are looking at from Ireland to elsewhere.
1: So what do you think then, as an international law firm based here in Ireland with massive Irish roots and, and heritage, what do you think are the major advantages for Irish businesses in the global marketplace?
0: The government have, and successive governments, have put in place a very stable environment in Ireland in which to do business and that has given us a great reputation internationally uh, and uh, with that, I, I think that the future is very bright.
1: And do you have any concerns with that in the context of Brexit? Is that any of that is at risk?
0: Brexit is obviously a big issue for the Irish economy. From a personal perspective, I come from an agricultural background. Uh, so I see firsthand, I grew up on a farm in Tipperary. So I see firsthand the impact that it is having in particular on the agri-food sector. So it is going to be a challenging uh, issue for for the Irish economy. But I firmly believe that if the government continues with its policy of providing a safe and sustainable and stable uh, business environment here in the country, then we will come through this very positively.
1: So Matheson successfully opened its second Irish office last year in Cork. Cork. Um, uh, How's that going for Matheson?
0: It's going very well. Uh, you know, as a Munster man, I'm very happy about it. So I am. My mother is very happy as well. So she is. I'm from Tiberary. Unfortunately, we couldn't open it in Tiberary. We opened it in Cork. Um, uh, but no, we're very excited about the, the Cork office. So we are, uh, if you look at projections for growth in Ireland in the next 25 years, uh, it's projected that 75% uh, of investment is going to be outside Dublin. Cork is going to, uh, the the population of Cork is going to increase by 50%. So opening an office in Cork um, was uh, and is part of our investment into that uh, future growth.
1: And of course, Cork is so accessible now. It's got great infrastructure. And And, and and a fantastic
0: array of domestic and international companies based around Cork.
1: Absolutely. So Michael Finn, partner with Matheson. How has Matheson benefited from membership of Guaranteed Irish?
0: We're very proud of our membership of Guaranteed Irish, Uh, so we are. We're an Irish law firm. Having uh, membership of Guaranteed Irish and being associated with the trusted symbol of Guaranteed Irish just reinforces that for us. And we've also been privileged to be introduced to so many other members uh, of Guaranteed Irish. Uh, and had really interesting conversations with them about their, their business and their future and indeed their trust in the Guaranteed Irish brand.
1: Thank you, Michael Finn, who's partner with Matheson Law Firm. Thanks very much, Michael. Thanks, Breed. That's it for now. I'm Breed O'Connell from Guaranteed Irish. See you next time.
0: If you feel your business can benefit from networking with like-minded businesses here in Ireland, contact guaranteedirish.ie for more information.